Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Chris. Um, uh, where, where's, where's Don? I have to work, because I guess jobs are that happen sometimes. Well, that's a, do we at least have a replacement like last time? We brought in our old buddy Logan. Logan, are you here with us? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Awesome. Now, for the people who don't know who Logan is, Logan, tell them about you. Why are you here? Well, I am here to talk about bees. Uh, I'm a fifth-generation beekeeper. I am an international beekeeping instructor. I teach beekeeping in seven different countries right now. We appreciate you. October is spooky month for us, and so we were taking on a, a subject that I was saying, like, it's a very popular indie, but uh, not one that gets a lot of buzz. You might say, mm. Mm. we're going to be talking uh, Hollow Knight. Uh, I have never played Hollow Knight, although I've seen lots and lots of game footage of it. Yeah, same here. I, I watched several streams by Therm. Uh, it's a really good soundtrack. Whenever you were somewhere that was like low key, it was, you know, soft. And then it grew and grew and uh, especially the boss music. The boss music was just peak. Before we get into the game, let's get into the news, Lucas. Yeah, no, and like most of the news I bring, it's almost always going to be animal and or climate change related. In this case, it's both. So many people don't realize that when we have an issue with like climate change, one of the first animals to go down is going to be the amphibians. Amphibians are probably some of the most fragile creatures on Earth when it comes to environmental changes. And they are looking for weird and different ways to try and help them. And they found a weird and different way to help them. Um, a group of scientists found that if you gave wood frog tadpoles the bacterial load from a green frog tadpole, they are able to resist heat a little bit better. What is a little bit? What's a little bit? They can stand up to 1.5 degrees Celsius warmer water for a short amount of time. This is something that's pretty amazing because you're not messing with their genetics. You're not tinkering with anything. All you're really doing is exposing them to the bacterial growth that would be found in the green frogs, tadpoles, like gut system, and having them work with it. And when they work with it, what ends up happening is that they build up that slight bit of resistance. And it's interesting because the green frog they are going to be spending much more of their time in the water as tadpoles during the summer months, where the wood frogs tend to mature a lot quicker and get out of the water in like three months as opposed to like staying the entire summer. Well, you know, what are the implications of it? I mean, the implications are that they have a better way of understanding a bit of how you can help these animals out if you try and introduce them to the right ecosystem. And there's still a bit of a mystery as to how this actually works entirely all we found from the study is that it's working we don't exactly see how or what the exact reasons are with it's working i mean i don't know logan would we ever try something like that with more insects that are less heat resistant uh it's pretty interesting that uh that you bring up frogs and and, and fragile like that because bees are sponges they soak up everything and what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to do two different things. We're trying to introduce different uh, subspecies together and try to breed uh, more tolerance 
So some bees are resistant to mites through uh, the microevolution they shared together. And African bees uh, have grown a tolerance due to exposure and the unfortunate history of the beekeepers just not being able to treat their bees for the pest disease. So naturally, you know, natural selection occurred and we're trying to take those bees and breed their tolerance into more commercial stock. Uh, and right now for citrus, probably 10 years down the line, you'll see like citrus trees actually be GMO where we're taking uh, the Chinese uh, orange box and we're breeding it into Valencia oranges to try to be more tolerant to uh, certain pests and diseases like the citrus psyllid and citrus greening, uh, trying to revive that, that industry here in Florida again. Uh, so it, it does happen in the plant world where, you know, we take one species and we try to revert back to help another that's struggling. I mean, it's just nice to know that we can do stuff like that without having to rely on like genetics or CRISPR or anything else like that. Everyone kind of cringes at the, you know, the big GMO word. Uh, but, you know, it's not like we're taking things from an octopus, right? We're not taking something crazy. It's just like out of this world to help the, the citrus industry or to help the bee industry. We're remaining within that, that like, uh, I guess, a Venn diagram, you know, where a lemon and a grapefruit and an orange, where they all meet up. So on to the Pokemon news. Normally, it's the animal news that's a bummer, and the Pokemon news brings us up. This time, it's the reverse. Did y'all hear what happened at the Van Gogh Museum? A very bad thing for all parties involved, especially fans. So what happened was there was a uh, promotion of goods between Van Gogh and Pokemon where they reimagined Van G a lot of Van Gogh's works with Pokemon in it. Think things like the sunflowers, but with sunflora in them, uh, Pikachu in a hat, Eevee in a straw hat, things like that. All very, very cute. And they were selling them as canvases, as bags. Uh, lots of different, uh, Pika uh, a Pikachu dressed as Van Gogh plush, lots of different things. And there was also a promo card for every item bought from Pokemon Center. What ended up happening is that before anything went out notifying people that stuff was live, everything got bought out on the Pokemon Center website because largely what looks like a bots bought items as singular purchases to get the cards to then theoretically sell on the secondary market for exorbitant prices because everybody loves these special promo cards. How'd they get it? Wait, how'd they get it without it being announced? Like what, how'd they do that? Because it went live on the website before any announcement went out. And so if you were like, like if you had been paying attention, like, cause like, there are some people who legitimately got the stuff. They just got lucky. They got through it. But there was so much, like, things got flooded so fast that like, there were people just refreshing their carts that got flagged as bots and they got kicked out. It was all around bad. And there was also, like, it did not go well in person at the Van Gogh Museum either. Um, when the people said there was videos of people just, like, raiding the gift shop to get these promo cards. And, and, the, and I will say... Some of the goods are actually really cool. Like there's one of the uh, of like um, Corviknight in a cornfield. Uh, that's really cool. I would have really liked to have had that as the play mat. But yeah, 
it is unfortunately um there is a lot of blame that can be thrown around uh in this situation i think largely the blame should go to the scalpers uh who buy all the stuff up with the or, or buy all the stuff up to then jack up the prices and then resell it i, I think yeah i mean it's a kid's game and it always i hate it that people take it and take it away from kids like i know the majority of pokemon fans are not kids anymore most of them are like teenagers or adults like us but like i still we still keep forgetting that these are just kids who want their posters these are kids who want their card they're not going to sell it on ebay they're going to keep it because they wanted to this was a collaboration to learn about art and its contributions and how art can be seen today and they turned it into a corporate capitalist crash cash grab and it just it makes me furious yeah no it's it's very unfortunate and then i do think that there is also some some blame that goes to the pokemon company because this is not the first time that this kind of stuff has happened with their products like there is the with the 151 set that came out uh not too long ago like stuff pre-orders and stuff got got taken before any announcements went out there's uh the secondary resale market is starting to become very well it's not starting to become it has been it's very profitable to people and that is causing people to do to sell things and so far it does not seem that the pokemon company has really done anything to combat that or deal with it i don't know what they could there are people on the internet who say there are things that they can do i mean i've seen like when when like Xbox's five or Xbox X's and PS5s were coming out, I remember one of the things Best Buy did is they did like uh they released a small amount like every five minutes. So you had to actively be like checking to get it. So like there are things, I don't know what those things are, but I feel like there has to be something that's better than what's been happening because there's like those canvases I think we're selling or like the playmats. We're selling for like 25 on Pokemon Center. And then the second everything was sold out, it was on eBay for like 80 bucks, which is just absurd. Disgusting. I mean, what are your thoughts, Logan? Yeah, you know, I, we were talking off uh, off mic about it. And you know, I, I was really looking forward to that Sunflora one. But, you know, like like you said, like as soon as as soon as it comes up, you go on eBay and it's, you know, four or five times more than what it should have been. And it's, it's, it is very unfortunate. And I think that they tried to combat that in some areas of the TCG. Uh, very few cards, they'll, like, print more of them, right? Because it's like supply and demand. So if there's very few of them and it's very rare, you know, it's going to be thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, I, I do, do know... Very few uh, and rare cases that uh, it will do stuff like that, but you know they they know it's it's happening. Yeah, no, I my biggest thing that I want to see is the Pokemon Fossil Museum come to America because it did a really good job in Japan of like connecting prehistoric Pokemon to prehistoric animals. But my fear is that this thing shows up at the Smithsonian's, all the Americans are going to do is exactly what the people in Amsterdam did: just break the place down and take all the merch. This is bumming me out. Let's talk about what I assume are dead bugs. I think that's is that happier. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So I'll give a quick little overview of the game for anyone who might not be familiar with it and a little bit of background. Uh, like with 
most games we do, we're, I, I will try to stay away from spoilers. I apologize if any slip through in, in the discussion, but I will do my best. The game's also been out for six years, so um, I will, don't feel the worst about it, but I will do my best. So Hollow Knight, developed, released by an Australian group named Team Cherry uh, in 2017. So the game itself, a 2D side-scrolling Metroidvania which is a style of action platforming games that emphasizes non-linear gameplay exploration and expansion as you gain more experience and goodies. Do either of you fun fact know the know where we got the name Metroidvania? Um I'm going to assume it's just the combo of Metroid and Castlevania. That is correct. Yes. Okay. Two two games that very much helped popularize that genre in the uh modern discourse of gaming, but that's the uh, that is the the technical genre that we have. We have lots of games that come that that are in this style now too. It's a very very popular, very very uh, well played genre. Shout out to Metroid Fusion. That game was a banger. I've never played a single Castlevania game in my life. Love the anime on Netflix. If you haven't watched Castlevania, uh, you're either like under the age of seventeen, you shouldn't watch it, or you're missing out. It's amazing. Much like. Uh, Hollow Knight Castlevania is also on Xbox Game Pass. For any uh, Microsoft players out there, you can play it as part of your subscription if you haven't. So Hollow Knight takes place in a world populated by insectoid-like beings. Uh, there's you. We'll get into them in a little bit, but they draw from everything from spiders, bees, beetles, a whole basically a whole lot of bugs. It's a very very buggy world, and in this world very beginning lore dump there were two primordial beings known as the void and the radiance natural em- enemies the radiance eventually wins out and influences the development of the world and is worshiped by the denizens or beings on the world uh most notably by what you as the player come to know as the moth tribe so the moths are attracted to the light okay i get that much Yes, very. That, that's the science they're here for. Lamp, man. <laughs> God, that was my favorite. That's that's the best Halloween costume of the year, by the way. Any other couples who dress up as lamps and then moths, like those are the best. Love those. So eventually, a worm. Now, not a like little squiggly worm, but like W Y R M, big big dragon. Uh, a worm arrives from a faraway land and sheds its skin and takes on the form to look more like the insectoid beings inhabiting the area. This being uh, grants all the beings who will accept it in the world sapience. So knowledge, free will, ability to think for themselves. So Applin becomes like a psychic type. Yes, basically. He just gets a whole, gets a whole new, new ball game. And I, I the, feel like if I was like, if there's like an ant tribe and the workers gained free will, I would just be like at the queen, panic, 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 panic. Well, the, oh, that's, that's interesting because after they, they get all that, they do actually start to maintain a lot of their, their uh, old infrastructure, so to speak. But this, this worm being becomes revered as a god king. Uh, they, they known as the Pale King. And under the Pale King's rule, civilization flourished. They developed an entire subterranean kingdom known as Hollow Nest. Uh, it w- united numerous species, tribes, bug-like beings all together to build this massive, sprawling uh, landscape underground. And it was a massive trade hub. Even ones who did not join Hollow Nest 
ventured into alliances with them. They built rail systems. Uh, they had stag beetles running back and forth, uh, carrying people in the in the tunnels. Okay, so awesome civilization powered by knowledge and reason. I can dig it. Unfortunately, well, maybe not unfortunately. I'm <laughs> basically as people started, more people started to worship the Pale King. Less people were worshiping the Radiance. And the Radiances started to dwindle in power, especially once the Moth tribe started worshipping the Pale King. So in an effort to maintain relevance, uh, life, you know, stay stay alive through worship, the Radiance started reaching out to the citizens of Hollownest through their dreams. What happened was when the people dreaming, or the bugs, they aren't people, when the, the bugs resisted the, the influence of the Radiance, it created what was became known as the infection, which was a disease that basically, for lack of scientific terms, turned things into like undead-like beings. Uh, but a massive infection that spread throughout the kingdom. We won't go into a lot of the details again because spoilers, but ultimately this infection destroyed the kingdom. Uh, the Pale King just kind of like bebopped out of there. And all that was left of this massive kingdom was a small town called Dirtmouth that uh, had one resident existing at the entrance to the kingdom. This just is where one dude. just one dude you as you as you liberate more aspects or deal with more aspects of the game, the the town starts to populate more uh, and, you, and you get there's like map makers, shopkeepers and all that stuff kind of comes back to Dirtmouth. So that but, becomes your hub. Yes. Uh, and so the, basically what you do is you, you drop down the well and you explore the kingdom, fight bosses, pick up gear, learn new skills, and you try to figure out what happened at, in Hollow Nest. And there's, much like lots of these Metroidvanias, there's lots of different endings. You, you go back and forth, you explore. It is a wonderful, wonderful time. It is also a visually striking game. It's, it's just beautiful in all regard. And I highly encourage people to play it. It is definitely one of those games that's popped up on, like... You see a lot of cosplays of it, like, when you go to places still, even after all these years. Yeah, no, it is it is definitely popular in that regard. But we're not here to just talk about the game, Lucas. That was a nice little overview for people. But we're here, and Logan is here, to help us talk about some bugs. Yay. Bug. I mean, I look, this is... Logan, this is why you're here. I'm I'm good at bugs. You live bugs, so this works out. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna shake up the order a little bit, uh, Logan Lucas. But we're gonna start out hot with Logan's wheelhouse. We're gonna go to bee bees in the beehive. As you have found, Lucas, there are many many different forms uh, that, that that you can have. So uh, you know there there is a queen, but and there are worker bees. There are also lots of different guardian bees. There's, I believe, rankings in the beehive of of different types of guardians like night type stuff or um i'm blanking on like the rankings that they have but logan you know what's what is the the social structure of a traditional beehive how does that look you know they they did get a, a few things right you know about the social structure so um honeybees exhibit uh age-based division of labor uh for the workers it's temporal poly Atheism. I always uh, say that wrong. Sometimes I say it like, you know, the multiple gods, but it's uh, it's polyatheism. 
so the younger bees transition to sets of tasks uh, within their nest, and the the older bees or the foragers, they're the ones that are going to sting you first. And the ones in the middle do like the oddball jobs of taking care of the babies, uh, taking out dead stuff, cleaning debris, and uh, taking care of the queen, which, you know, they, they technically do have different ranks of quote-unquote warrior bees. So like your guard dog bees, as we say, are going to be a cluster of bees, kind of like in the game, uh, every stream I saw as soon as they enter the hive, and that's what the guard dogs are there for. They bulk up at you. They are going to defend the hive before you have an opportunity to be offensive to the hive, uh, to just for the, the better of the colony. They are a group of a little bit younger bees than them that are known as the queen's court. And they feed the queen, they clean her, uh, and they're also her last line defense. And, uh, quite poetically, her last line defense can actually turn on her in like a coup situation, kind of. When, So they would be the bees that would actually kill her first. Game of Thrones in the hive. Yeah, yeah, and you know that picture that Lucas has? You know, last time we talked, I was really wanting like a regional variant of Combi to be a powerful... Uh, alternative to the Queen Vespaquin. And uh, I feel like that would like be a perfect beginning concept. Uh, keep it female though, because you know the drones they don't they don't do anything. But you know, like a regional variant or uh, something like that. In Hollow Knight, one aspect about the Queen is that she grew too big and couldn't actually leave the hive. Is that something that happens with queens so actually kind of yeah so whenever she reaches a certain age uh, after hatching out from her cell which is about five to six days her wings are starting to work properly she's taken her orientation flight she will go on multiple mating flights and mate with various different suitors and each suitor of course, Mouncer does the thing. She goes back. She does it again the next day. And after she's done, uh, when she tries to take flight, it's more of a hop and a skip. And she actually has to stop laying, suppress her laying to be able to fly again if she wants to, let's say, next spring swarm and, and leave the colony to start a new one with about a third of the population. So, yeah, that, that actually does happen. So they did a pretty good job, is what I'm hearing. They they did pretty good. And then and then another another little interesting aspect that I picked up on, but the 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 fiercest warriors are flightless. They do not have wings. Can you think of any reasoning for that being like e even if it's some mate even if it's made up, what what would be a reason for that? So uh, you know, I'm thinking going through my head, the farthest I go is on the other side of hymenopteran which are you know wasp and ants you have a lot of fierce wingless wasp and ants that uh you step on them and they don't die and, and we call those in florida i don't know if you guys call them this but we call them cow killers and uh, maybe they took it off of that relative uh but off of bees keeping in the the area of bees i think about stingless or yeah stingless bees they are just so mean uh, they may not have a 
stinger, but they pull your hair. They crawl all over you, biting you, pulling hair, and uh, it is worse than getting stung. So this, I think, was made by Australian guys, and those stingless bees are found in Australia. So maybe they just envisioned the bees crawling all over them because they're very small. Uh, and when they do get in their defensive mode via pheromones, uh, they uh, they do just go crazy. And the worst part about it, meeting them for the first time, I wasn't wearing any type of bee suit. Uh, about 10 or 15 of them crawled up my shirt and was pulling the hairs off my stomach. It was a terrible experience. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. So yeah, note to self, don't don't mess with the bees without a stinger. Noted, done, filed away. The uh the, the beehive had, much like a lot of things in Hollow Nest, the beehive had a unfortunate ending when the infection spread to them. But what happened with them was I don't know, I think a little bit sadder, but the uh uh the infected bees didn't realize that their queen was dead and they've continued to defend the hive because the infected hive mind is sort of telling them to do so. Yeah. And so bees work a lot on pheromones. There's a lack there of a queen. It takes them about three hours to recognize the queen is gone. Uh, so whenever you're requeening, uh, a queen bee has lost her, her longevity in a commercial industry. The commercial guys will, take the back of her her neck with the head meeting the thorax so it's not really a neck but that's where all of her pheromones come out of and they'll actually rub that on the frames to tell the bees that she has passed away that she's not there anymore because she'll give off a, a basically a death pheromone and then she also gives off what's called the suppression pheromone that stops all workers from being able to lay eggs even if they wanted to and that one's the most impressive to me. So once the bees actually smell that the suppression pheromone's gone, their home pheromone's gone, they will actually be more aggressive. So whenever you're dealing with bees and you open up a hive and the frequency of their buzz is much louder, you'll see bees running around without a purpose. You'll see bees flying up as soon as you open up the hive. Normally what they do is they what we call bloom out. You lift the lid to the box and the bees just flush up and flush out. But with a queenless hive, they will act like a, a group of chickens with their heads cut off. And they'll sting you for no reason. So I think that aspect they actually got right as well. And if bees are sick, they're quite more aggressive. Not defensive, just plain out aggressive. More stomach hairs being pulled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And unfortunately, with the bees I mess with, much more stingers in the stomach. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad, like, the first one we talked about, they seem to have knocked it out of the park with this. I I'm looking at some of the other ones. I'm like, I don't know how well the other ones will stand up, but the bee one, they got right. Okay, so we got to talk about the mantis tribe then. Yes. So what is their lore? So quick lore dump for the mantis tribe. They are some of the oldest beings in the game. And while the Pale King granted sort of knowledge and thinking to lots of the inhabitants of this world, the Mantises were actually already smart. They, because they already had this sort of ability, they resisted the Pale King's influence and did not worship the Radiance. They were not impacted at first by the infection. 
because the infection only was spreading to those who basically had been given free will by the Pale King. And what ended up taking place is that members of the Mantis tribe actually embraced the infection and joined it because it made them super strong, but they were exiled from the community as traitors. So you had this sort of willing willing embrace of of the bad stuff in search of more power within the Mantis tribe. Okay. I mean, first off, shout out to any game that uses Mantises in their game because there's no there's no insect quite like a praying mantis or any kind of mantis to use as a monster in your game because they're already like ter- they have knives for hands, crazy heads, they eat basically any prey, they'll attack birds like, they're a crazy insect to deal with. They're so impressive that whenever we were so worried about the uh, giant Asian hornet, which is now changed to the Asian, the northern Asian hornet, they uh, they were like, what are we going to do? There's no pathogen that kills them. There's no predator that preys upon them. But then they put a mantis there. And a, one individual Japanese, I think it was a locust mantis, killed two of these giant hornets and it only takes a few of these hornets to kill an entire beehive hundreds of thousands of bees but one mantis killed two by herself it was just i mean they are they are quite terrifying especially the females being the size that they are the thing that shocks me about the lore is that they're working together they're, they're not known for working together like, even, like, in games like Pokemon, they make it so that way these things don't like working with anybody. Well, you can you can chalk that up to uh, their knowledge and knowing that they might get further together than they would individually. So, bug together strong. Yeah, yes. Bug. Exactly. Bug together strong. Bug alone weak. Think of all the hornets we could kill. Is that a uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes? reference that movie was solid gold i can't believe we forgot about it as a society that movie was great apes together strong right am i crazy no no that's right apes together strong you got the reference i love that movie so good it was andy circus that's all anyone should care about yeah no andy circus is the best actor i never want to see on tv or like on a movie i want to see him in a costume unless it's the a villain in the marvel universe when he was a villain when claw when he was claw, yeah. it was great. I loved that. Yeah, but yeah, no. Um, I think that I, I really do think that these creatures are cool based on the lore. But like, why do they need weapons if they have blade hands? Like, oh, hang on, let me pull up a quick picture here to show you what I'm talking about. So these, uh, what do you call mantis lord dudes? Like the fact that they have like sharp sticks when they're their their hands are already blades. Like, <laughs> It's like trying to pull a gun on somebody when your hand is made out of cannons. Like, what? what is, why? So the, maybe it's to protect their their hands to use in, in for whatever other things they need. Maybe they don't want to jeopardize their hands. Well, I mean, like, if you look at what the Mantis Warriors look like in this, they still have the blady hands. How do these things attack, like, in the game? I, If I remember, I believe that they do dash attacks. Okay, so that works. These guys are known for their speed, so well done. Um, like like it was they're very, very quick and agile for sure, but they are like it's a lot of like lunging at you and you know, those kinds of I guess linear attacks. 
like like you know straight down straight across so you jump over or dodge out of the way and hit them when they get back but then they also have like boomerangs uh one of the one of the lords like chucks boomerangs which i don't believe mantises are known to do uh i'm just gonna say it this game is sounding more and more australian every bug we go down but no i mean they they uh they've got like long like spear type weapons and they are just like just dashing you know tip up straight at you trying to impale you so they they definitely move and then there's a the boss fight for the three it's three mantis lords all at once you get all three of them like just dashing across the screen now you see when i think about a evil mantis i pulled up the mantis traders now that is what i imagine like how a mantis would look and fight like this thing is bulky terrifying knived hand no little spears in its hand. This thing is glowing-eyed evil. I'm going to eat you. That is a mantis. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, the 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 trader is definitely a really really cool design for sure. No, the traders actually somehow get the traders are more mantis than the actual mantises. It's because they have all that power from the infection. Yeah, no, the infection just made them realize. Wait a minute, we're mantises. What are we doing with spears? Get the claws out, doll. Let's go ape. Let's kill them all exactly i like the traders more they're more accurate so the uh the last group that we're talking about is uh the spider tribe okay so um it's weird because they tried doing the bee thing with the spiders and that doesn't work and in, in, in what way so they have this idea like from okay can you explain their lore first to make sure i'm not missing anything uh, yeah, so the spiders, uh, nothing too super crazy about them. Now, obviously, a civilization of spiders is not is already a little bit of a stretch because so- spiders tend to be uh, solitary beings by themselves. But they actually are one of the kingdoms that did not join the Hollow Nest. Uh, they did have a, um, a truce, a treaty with them where they weren't like actively fighting against each other or helping each other. Uh, when the infection first started spreading, the Pale King actually enlisted the Queen of the Spiders in helping to combat it. And the Queen at that point was unable to uh, have any offspring. So the deal was that the Pale King and her would mate and produce an offspring. Uh, and then she would help fight the infection. Cool. How many offspring was she able to produce? Just, in, in that instance, just one. Well, that's weird. Uh, but that char- that becomes a character, Hornet, who actually comes, bops in and out of the game to sort of like test your skills and your ability. Sort of like, in, you know, in Pokemon, you're the, the rival trainer that comes and is like, let's see how you're doing kind of stuff. Uh, ironic, not ironically, cool. Hornet was actually so popular that Team Cherry made a second game, Hollow Knight Silk Song, where you play as Hornet. See, the reason I'm asking about the one hit thing, it's like arthropods don't play that way. Like the whole the, the whole one baby thing is just it, it doesn't work with them. It's the R versus K strategy where you can either have a ton of babies and not care what happens to them because you have so many, or you could care for your babies really, really well because you only have a few of them. Well if it makes you, if it makes you feel any better, the rest of the spiders did come from the one queen. Okay, good, because that is like, some spiders can lay over 3,000 eggs. 
don't know, Logan, you can be with me on this one, but like when it comes to like having like spiders life cycles are pretty simple compared to like something like a bees, right? Oh yeah, no, they're uh they're quite simple. You know, obviously they go through the egg immature to adult stage. Um but uh nothing near like the stages of, of jobs bees go through through instinct and, and and nothing like that. They're they're quite like build the web and wait. Or some are some are a little bit more ambush, but yeah, definitely a little bit more simplistic. I think I kinda like that about like I don't like the idea that they all like, oh no, we're all just different variants that came from the same mom. But I do like how they have like the stalking devout who is just this giant bulking monstrosity which is what some spiders do. They don't have a web. They just walk around and kill stuff. And that's just kind of how they roll. Yeah, bruisers. Like the ogre spider. Well, the ogre spider lays a net. That doesn't count. I'm doing like wolf spiders, jumping spiders, tarantulas. These animals that do have some web-making ability, but instead use them for little or nothing. They just kind of like use the other parts of their body, which is very impressive. But, not, but then, you know, there's the huntsman spider in Australia that's also known as the bird killer. And I'm sure they probably took some some influence from that one. Yeah, I mean, not to discount any of the web spinners, because there are some spiders that can spin webs that can go across rivers. There are spiders that spin webs to be parachutes. There are spiders that spin webs into be nets. There are spiders that can spin webs into be funnels and trap doors and all kinds of stuff. And it is one of the funnest, most commonly known animal facts that pound for pound, that silk is stronger than steel. So once again, it's a really good critter to use. And the fact that everyone's terrified of them, as I think it's the number one most feared animal on the planet is spiders. I think snakes are second. All right, so that's all like the major tribes, I think. So that means we kind of cover the last group of people, which are the beetles. Yeah, so I I brought I I added in the Beatles because of the the rail system sort of in the game, which is run by a oh hold on one second Ugh. a rail system in the game that's run by a singular beetle, uh a, a a trooper if you will. He definitely like helps you out. It's your fast travel system in the game, but man, like I feel like if you're gonna pick an insect to be like the workhorse of of an underground kingdom that is just trucking people to and fro i feel like you can't go wrong with a stag beetle right okay we gotta get one thing out of the way with beetles there are more beetles than there are anything else on the planet so if you're talking about using a game a group of animals as variety for a game there is nothing better than a beetle gold star on that one like there are over four hundred thousand named beetle species for reference, there are only about 58,000 vertebrate-named species. Every animal with a backbone, only 58,000, compared to the 400,000 just beetles. And also, like, you know, coleoptera literally means armor, right? So they need a lot of protein to build said armor. So I, I can imagine where you get, like, the, uh, the beetle equates strong, because, I mean, it's the small hive beetle, the beetle that preys on, on honeybees, needs a copious amount of of protein so much so that once it reaches adulthood it prefers the the honey but whenever it's in its development stage trying to grow that armor it will eat the actual brood of the bees the actual pupa and bees have a high protein content 
and it actually used to be a kind of like a forager slash uh, gatherer, kind of like a uh, kind of like the bee, where it would go flower to flower trying to find pollen to raise its young on, and then it said, "Oh well, we have the bees that will do everything for us." So that works. I mean, look, I'll be honest. If I were to pick something to be like the fast travel insectoid bug-like creature, I would have just gone with a millipede. Oh yeah, that's true. That would have been golden. Yeah, but like, did you see? Did you see the photo I dropped in here? Oh, I see the photo you dropped. That's one of the photos I'm going to be using on this thingy that we on like the thingy for YouTube. This thing is dope. I love it. I want to name it Skittles and just have it run around. It's got little armor. It's got chairs on its back. Like it is adorable, but also imposing. Yeah, no, but hear me out, though. The millipede already lives a pretty functional life underground, as it is, uh, versus the stag beetle, only part of their life cycle is really going to be underground. Okay. Like, the millipedes okay. are already subterranean. Like, they're already going to be underground the whole time. They're already built like a train. They're an armored train. So not only could you put chairs on them, you could have weapons stationed on them and still have plenty of room for chair. And an interesting beetle they could have used would be like a click beetle, you know, and it clicks its abdomen and it just like flies, figuratively speaking, flies over to the next part after it clicks. <laughs> Again, like it's stag beetle, cool. I'm not saying they're taking away from it, but could they do better? Absolutely, there are more terrifying things out there. I think the I think the saddest thing about the the this, the beetle aspect of it in the game is like you said, Lucas. There are so many in our world, and in the game, it's really like this is the the main beetle that you see because they've all been kind of run off and and gone, uh, which is unfortunate because there could have been like a, some really really cool other uh, other beetles brought into it. I, I will say the uh, <laughs> the beetle that you deal with does not have a good memory. Which I find just very, very funny to think about. Just like it's, it does not remember the pathways, and so you have to go through all the different stations and ring a bell, and then it's like, oh yeah, I remember how to get here. But it it, it has a very, very poor memory, which just seems absolutely ridiculous for a fast travel system that it just doesn't remember how to get places. The most terrifying thing I've learned tonight is that something chased away most of the Beatles. Do you have to any idea what it would be like to chase away 25% of the biomass on the planet? <laughs> that infection, man. Like that, that's one heck of a curse to go ahead and scare these things away. Like, nope, just every, if, if every beetle left on the earth except a few, most of the plants on the planet would die. Most of the life cycles would collapse. Like, that is horrifying that there aren't any beetles. <laughs> I did not think of it that way, but that's, yeah, that's it's pretty terrifying. Spooky. Oh, my God. What do you mean there are no beetles? So, there, I guess there's one dude we haven't covered, and I think it's the dude, right? The the vessel? Yeah, the dude. We're gonna call, I'm going to call him the dude. I'm not calling him the vessel, because I have no idea what that means. He's the dude. If we got to do a little bit of spoilers, the vessel was created to contain the radiance. The, the the pale king created the vessel using the void the primordial being from before created the vessel to contain the radiance and uh end the infection and unfortunately that that was what the uh or and unfortunately what happened was that it was supposed to be a quote unquote 
pure being basically one that did not have free will or thought or all that kind of good stuff so that it could contain the radiance without being infected but through its bond with the pale it it created a bond with the pale king as like a father figure and was therefore not pure and failed and that's when the infection like so because he wanted a hug from dad the world got diseased yes so for if you did not catch on the vessel is hollow knight Okay, cool. So, lesson learned, children. Don't hug your fathers. You're weakening them. You hear that, kids? You cannot hug your dads. Don't show them any love. Like, if they went out for milk, it's for your own protection. They don't want to cause the next pandemic. Toxic masculinity only. <laughs> we, we require more toxic masculinity and absent fathers to starve away the disease. So... Lucas, what you you brought up some kind of beetle with the vessel. What were you feeling? With the vessel? This thing reminds me of Dynastiny, which are the subfamily of scarab beetles. And these are things like the rhinoceros beetle. When you think the beetles that people use in Japan that just flip other beetles around, the rhinoceros beetles are one of them. When you think a giant beetle walking on your hand with all the pretty colors and the massive horns rhinoceros beetles are those guys like they are incredible insects they are very bulky they are very strong the fact that they can fly at all is absolutely terrifying and absolutely pokemon made uh, their own thing with it we'll never escape talking about pokemon folks no matter what game we're talking about heracross is basically what you're thinking of when you think of just a horrifying bug like beetle with the massive horns and wings and such yeah that's that's the rhinoceros beetle. It's it, it, I'm a flip them. I'm a flip them. You do realize little close combat. Little close combat. People in um, Japan still to this day there are competitions of like raising rhinoceros beetles and having them gamble and gambling on them in contests to see if they can flip it's the like other dude's beetle. Bug catcher coliseum. Version. Pretty much, it's like the next stage. Like, wow, you caught a bug. Now make him fight. It's pretty standard up. Um, what I love about these beetles, and there's some great TikToks and reels of it, is their life cycle. They have like a better part of a year through their life cycle. And around each season, they go into a different form of grub. And so eventually they go into a pupa and eventually get to their final stage. It's an absolutely insane looking lifestyle because you're basically going from grub to bigger grub to bigger grub to teenager to adult. Come on. So you can actually see how it starts. So like they're an egg for two weeks. They'll stay in their first larval form for two weeks. Then they'll go in for another three weeks in their second form. Then they'll go ahead and they'll stay for eight months in the third form. Then they'll spend a few days as a pupa. Then they'll spend two weeks growing out of that pupa. And then finally, they'll be an adult for about one to two months. Hot pupa summer. Pretty much. Like, And if you look at the chart I sent you, like... For all of the le- the eggs are laid at like the end of summer, and then through autumn they're at pupa, and then the winter they stay into this giant. Throughout the winter and like the spring, they're going to stay into this giant larval form to stay safe, and then only when it reaches the summer will they pupate and turn into adult, do the deed, and then just start it all over again. That is a crazy life cycle to think about. I don't know, with a game like the one we've been talking about, yes, it's creepy. Yes, it's weird that, like, everything is, like, dead and no, the bug things aren't entirely right. But I love what this game did 
in taking some of these real world creatures and giving them that monstrification spin and then changing it up just enough where you recognize it and see it. I am so sure that this game has made people more appreciative of Beatles, even a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, and best of all, we get to hang out with Logan when we talk about bugs. So that's always helpful. Yeah. And now, while before we wrap up on this one, if people wanted to know more about you and taking care of bees, if they needed to ask for help on that stuff, uh, where should they go? Well, they should go to either Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Uh, I have the same tag for everything, LPCuts0. Or uh, sometimes I'll use the Bee Wrangler. But LPCuts0 is... Uh, I think my Instagram and my Twitter right now and Logan cuts on Facebook. Uh, I'm currently trying to build my consulting business uh, a little bit out to where I can get a few employees to help me right now. I'm sitting at 2000 hives in the state of Florida. So I'm, I'm pretty busy. Uh, and I'm trying to make more of business accounts for that. So stay tuned for that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And Chris, thank you so much for teaching us about the game. I appreciate that. It's only the first episode for Halloween. We still got at least one more of these suckers. Yeah, that's right. We got hopefully Donald get us queued up with some uh with some Elden Ring. Oh, that's gonna be so much fun. I have never successfully played an Elden Ring game. Ever. No Dark Souls, no nothing. Never been able to. I'm weak. Well, on that note, guys, thank you all so much for coming. Have a great rest of your day or night. Uh, We'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye.